some of you may not, but this morning, um, I felt like I was playing Battleship. Uh, because Roger started throwing out verses, and I was thinking, ooh, near miss, hit, hit. And then uh, it closed out, and I was thinking, man, I'm getting really worried. Um, I think one of his last verse, verses was Ephesians. He said, I said, oh, no. He said four. I said, oh. He said 20. I said, oh, no. Five. Whoo. So what you're going to see is there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of things that Roger and I are going to, uh, what Roger spoke about this morning is going to be uh, related uh, to, uh, to what I'm going to talk about tonight. There's, there's a lot of closeness, a lot of similarities there. Um, to uh, just a little bit, sometimes in the strangest ways, when strange things happen to me, I, what I do is I, I take my phone and um, I take a note down, and that's what becomes a sermon topic. So this is, uh, so as you look up here and you see these glasses, you'll say, what, what are we, where are we going to go with this? So uh, funny thing happened, this is about, um, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago, I, ha- I wear contacts. And uh, I have an astigmatism in one eye, and just kind of normal, can't see in my other. And uh, if any of you have that, um, you'll know what I'm going to talk about. So I got my, my new prescriptions, and it's green, G-R, the R goes in the right, and blue, L, left. Um, so I was getting ready for work in the morning. I put the contacts in, <clears throat> and I didn't really notice anything until I went out to the kitchen and I got to the microwave. And suddenly, the microwave, the little clock, it, it had perfect clarity, but it looked like it was about two and a half miles away and about, a, about an eighth of an inch tall. I'm like, whoa, what, what, what did I do? So then I, I kind of rubbed my eyes. I looked again. That, that's not right. So I looked at my other one. I closed it, and then I couldn't see anything. It was just completely blurry. So I knew what I had done. I, even though I'd been given this, this prescription, um, I'd messed it up, and I had it wrong. So, you know, the, what, what ends up happening, if you've ever done that, is after just a little bit, you actually start to get headaches really bad, um, to the point where, like, it'll start to make you nauseous just a little bit. So I, I started thinking about that. So crazy enough, that's, I actually took a note down. When I don't follow the prescription, I get headaches. Uh, so Jason asked me to, to, to preach, and I opened up my, my little list of things that, that, that are interesting to me, and that, that sort of led to it. Because <clears throat> right now, I think, as we, as we think about uh, what's going on in the world, there's a lot of people that are, that are looking out at the world. And when we try to see the world and it just doesn't look right, it almost looks a little bit nauseous to, it, to us. And people, they intrinsically, just kind of in their gut, know it doesn't feel right. Things that should be clear, they're, they're not. And that things that I think are clear, that just doesn't seem normal either. So turn with me. Uh, this is a verse you may think about a little bit. Uh, in John chapter 18, uh, I listened to a, a podcast on the history of Rome. And I came across, uh, I was kind of in this time zone a little bit. And you, you'll know this verse. This is when Jesus was, was with uh, Pontius Pilate. Verse 37, Pilate uh, therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered him and said, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. First part of verse uh, 38 says, Pilate said to him, What is truth? And there's a lot of people in the world that pause on that. It's not just Pilate. They want to know what is truth. Uh, truth. There we go. 
So when we start to think about the truth just a little bit, it starts at the very beginning. Uh, It starts in the foundation of the world. You know, we are a part of a wonderful, a beautiful world. A world that's got creation, it's got depth, it's got expansion. Um, The the expanse, I should say, is is just mind-numbing. The complexity of it is just awe-inspiring. And there's a mind that put all of that together. And as we talk with people, as we interact with people, not everybody will, will, will believe that. They'll kind of compare us to everything else in the world. But there's something special about you and I. And that specialness is that we have a soul. Because unlike any other part of, of creation, there's something slightly or subtly different, you might say, that, that, that's mentioned in, in, in creation about us. Genesis 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. We're different. God breathed our life into us. That gives us our soul. You know, and when we, we think about that, that's that little tug of what should I do, what should I not do. Sometimes you'll see this in movies. Uh, you know, if you look at Pinocchio, you have Jimmy Cricket, right, telling Pinocchio, Here's, do this, don't do this. Uh, my favorite was Bugs Bunny. You know, Bugs Bunny would have an angel on one shoulder and a little devil on the other. Do this, do this, don't do this, don't, don't do this. Um, <clears throat> but that, that soul creates this longing, this desire, this wandering of what, what should I be doing? And when you don't have that, what starts to happen is it sort of becomes, an, uh, not, not necessarily knowing, if you don't know what that is, it becomes sort of an open sore maybe. Maybe a, a hurt. Um, it, it may be a, a wound. It may be a blinding void that I know that something here just isn't right. Because there should be this clarity. It should be this focus. You know, so I sit here and I'll try to do all these things. Because like for myself, going back to my contact example, knowing all those things that something just isn't right, I had a choice, didn't I? I could have just walked right out the door and gone to work. That would have been an exciting drive. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> that would have been exciting. Um, but if I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to ignore the absence of clarity and I'm just going to drive on and do what I want to do, I could hurt myself. I could hurt somebody else. And to a degree, that's what we, we see in others. <clears throat> because it sort of starts to blur the truth. Oops, I went backwards. Uh, backwards one. Here we go. We start to blur it just a little bit. And as we start to blur it, you'll sort of notice my, my globe kind of starts, that magnificent creation starts to get a little bit blurry. And what we start to do is, as we see that blurriness, we just start to try to fill it up with stuff. i got, I got to do something with it. Um, because we, i got to fill this purpose up. So you know, people will find that when they try to fill it up, it doesn't work. And what they try to fill up with, things that may make them happy, suddenly after a while don't make them as happy. Things that made them, they thought were funny, suddenly weren't so, so funny. Things that you know, their family maybe does, doesn't come ring true the way they want it to. Maybe it's the comfort. Maybe it's the escapes that they take. But what they keep on, we keep on trying to do is we keep on trying to pour more and more and more on there to fill this void that we're trying to fill up that we know is there because there's a purpose, there's a clarity that's got to be there. But it just doesn't work. And what happens? You get this nagging question in the back of your mind of, what is there? That sort of leads to, to, uh, to, to Pilate's question of what is truth. 
Um, sounds odd, but uh, you know, um, it may sound unique in isolation. Some of you guys may know, if you ever watch uh, movies, there's, a, uh, uh, there's an emperor, Marcus Aurelius. He's a Roman emperor. And uh, most of you know, not, not necessarily from the movies, but in his personal life, what he would do, he, he asked this question all the time, what is truth? This was a common thing in the time, kind of right around the time of Christ, what is truth? And he would actually take notes all the time. And he would write down notes of how he should act, of how he should behave, of what he should do, of what he shouldn't do, so he could do the right thing. And his question was almost always the same. He was trying to figure out what truth was. Because that answer of what life is and what truth is is a question that buffets everybody. And when you don't have that answer, you're going to be just like me. You're going to feel like a pressure. You're going to feel this discomfort. You're going to feel this absence of clarity, and you just feel like you've got to do something. And you think about that, that pressure that, that starts to hit people. And, and I started to think, you know what? Uh, Christians aren't immune from this either. You know, in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, uh, verse, verse 15. Um, let me get there. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 15. But speaking the truth in love, may we grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. We're supposed to grow up in Christ. So this idea of us, us growing, oh, there we go, sorry, we're supposed to grow up in, in Christ. Grow up. Well, what does that mean? We talked about this in the, uh, the, the, uh, the young families at our house. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, I, I kind of, uh, I just shortened this a little bit. We're supposed to add to our faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge self-control, self-control steadfastness, uh, steadfastness godliness, godliness brotherly affection, Brotherly affection, love. That's this idea that we're supposed to be growing as Christians. And this idea that we're supposed to be growing, growing as Christians, growing in Christ. But then sometimes for us, something happens. We don't get better. We don't learn. Our life doesn't change. And soon as after, after we've been baptized and we think, I want to do, I want to do this, I want to be in heaven, suddenly we find maybe, maybe we haven't gone anywhere. And what a sad place that, that is. And that sadness can sometimes, as we're not growing, we're not trying to do anything, we're not studying our Bibles, maybe we're not praying, we don't talk to people, we're just, we're just who we were. And what that leads to is we start to get frustrated as a Christian. That frustration leads a little more to a little more stagnation. Sometimes it starts to lead to isolation. And suddenly what we find is just, again, back to my idea of my contacts, is that perfect clarity that I had when I was baptized. Suddenly, it seems blurry. Suddenly, that clarity that should be there, it seems distant and far off that I'll, I'll never, ever reach it. And it starts to carry over into other things. Our relationships. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So I'm a new creation when I join Christ. All these old things are supposed to pass away, and I'm supposed to become new. But what happens when I join Christ and nothing changes? What happens when I join Christ and 
the things that I do for maybe fun or relaxation don't change. What happens when I join Christ and the way I act with my family doesn't change? You can continue to run through the scenarios, but I think what you, you see, because if, if, if nothing's different, if we, if we say nothing, if we do nothing, who is going to see something different in us? No one will. The other result is everyone around us is the same. We're, 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 not, we're not driving people. We're not pushing the gospel. We're not celebrating Christ. What we actually see happening is the opposite. We're the ones who are being influenced. How does that look? Suddenly, you're going places and you're in a compromising position. Suddenly, you may be in a challenging environment. Suddenly, you find yourself hanging out with people maybe you shouldn't because no one knows that you're not going to be there. You don't want to participate in those things. Suddenly, we find ourselves getting buffeted with views. Suddenly, we find ourselves getting buffeted with demands for our time. As we lose control of those relationships because we're not driving forward, what we find is that we're not being built up. And for those of you with children, we talked a little bit about this uh, last night at, at our place. For those of you with children, what you find with that is you find your children can possibly be led away. Because we want them to fit in, you see. We, we, don't, we don't want them to stand for Christ. We want them to fit in just like I want to fit in. Because if I want to fit in, it's pretty unreasonable to expect me to place demand on my kid to just not want to fit in. They're going to do the exact same thing I am. And suddenly we start to see our children led away. And again, I've been baptized. All these things happen. I'm expecting change, but it's not happening because of our relationships. Because when we're baptized, we think we're going to change everything and all these things are going to happen. And suddenly again, there's a blurriness there. A pressure starts to build. You start to get a headache a little bit. What's clear isn't so clear. It's, it's distant. And it's far away because it's not the family, it's not the things that I want. And suddenly we see this in the things that influence us too. Um, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, we're told, Do not love the world or the things in the world, for if, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, what's our world? It's probably a fair question to ask. I just threw down a few notes. We want to be like everybody else. School, sports, jobs, money, entertainment, social media. We want to be like everybody else. But that's the same me. If I'm just like everybody else, I'd never ever change. There's no difference from me today versus me yesterday versus me tomorrow. And that's a pressure. You know, if you think about it, I don't know if you guys study, but, but early Christians, um, they didn't fit in. How about not fitting in? You, you either didn't go to the, to the synagogue, or you didn't go to the temples, or you didn't participate in emperor worship as a divine God. You didn't go to the games. 
You didn't accept the free food because you went and worked. All these things are what led up to what some verses translate uh, as we're supposed to be a peculiar people. That's why Christians were so peculiar. The known world didn't recognize these people because they didn't do all the things that they were doing. They were confused. <clears throat> but if we're to be a new creation, that can't be said about ourselves. If we're supposed to put, off our, put to death our former selves... That can't be said about ourselves. And again, as you think about all these influences that come across, if we're not controlling them, the same thing happens as what happens with the others. There's a pressure that builds. There's no clarity there. And what you do see as clarity seems this far off distance that you don't ever feel like you're ever, ever, ever going to reach. And suddenly you start to get a headache. And it doesn't feel right. Then what happens? But thank goodness, we've actually been given a prescription. We've been given a green and a blue to know what we should do. This prescription is pretty straightforward. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We put on Christ. We're going to put on His death. We're going to humble ourselves. We're going to be obedient. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Because we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're walking in those things. We're not observing from a distance like we're looking through a window. We are walking in these things. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. And this is just sort of a beautiful section there. This is, as you go from verse uh, 17 through 24, not verse 25, if you remember that one from earlier. Um, but uh, Ephesians 7, I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer, oops, that's a typo, walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. We don't walk like everyone else does, we walk differently. We have a different purpose. We have a direct, different direction. We have a different home. So everything that everybody else wants doesn't matter to us. It's not important. And the, it, the, there's a beautiful thought that goes with it. As I said, continue there uh, down through. Um, we'll pick it up in verse 20. Just some beautiful thoughts with that. Think, think of that idea that we are what we're here to do. Verse 20. But you have not so learned in Christ. You have heard Him and you've been taught by Him. As the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and you're going to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that, the, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true and righteousness and holiness. We put off all that. We start walking differently. We start doing something different. We are a new person. And you know, the amazing thing about that, that being a new person is as you read the New Testament, you see this over and over again. The woman at the well. Uh, we see Zacchaeus. We see the sinner woman. We see the centurion, the Canaanite woman, the man on the cross with Jesus. And I started thinking, you know, over and over and over and over again throughout the New Testament. In that age, the same thing was true. They wanted something different. They wanted that prescription. They wanted home in heaven. And they were going to be different. People looked and people saw 
what that difference was. And then I started thinking, there's no real difference today. Over and over again, even today, people like you, people like me, look to your left, look to your right, look out into the world. There are people who want to know what that is. They want that prescription. So what do we do? Matthew chapter 13, back in your Bibles, just a, just a little bit. Gives us a little bit of an idea. A couple of these will be, these will be uh, known to you. Just a, a couple of parables. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 uh, through 46. So what, what, what do we do? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a beautiful pearl, who when he found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. We seek it out. We seek it out with all that we have, with all that we are, with all that we ever want to be. We seek it out. And then over in, uh, back in your Bibles, just a little bit further, back in First uh, Peter, we get a slightly different view. First uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, verses uh, 10 through 12. First Peter 1, verses 10 through 12. As we're seeking all of this out, as we're seeking out this pearl of great price, there's something amazing to think about. Of this salvation, starting in verse 10, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering these things, which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. We have all of these things sitting before us. What do we do? What do we do? Angels want to know what you have before you. But we see another example in the prescription. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So the question is, what are you going to do? Are you going to follow the prescription? It's right there before us. It's laid out. And it's simple. That prescription gives you clarity. It gives you peace of mind. It takes away that headache. Or you can choose to have that pressure, to have that blurriness, to have that hope of clarity that's in a far-off place that you'll never, ever get to. But God's given us that chance to take that prescription. The choice is yours. If you're subject to invitation, if you would, come forward as we stand and sing the invitation song. Thank you.